Welcome to Freedom Highway. It's Tuesday, April 19th. It's 9 o'clock here in Kingston, New York. I'm Nick Pankin. Thanks for tuning in, either live on the radio or streaming online, however you choose to listen. I appreciate it. We're going to spend this next hour with a song As we do from time to time, uh, spending an entire hour on one song uh, sometimes seems a little bit repetitive or excessive, but uh, sometimes I think it's worth it, and I think the, the song deserves it, and uh, we'll actually hear, it turns out, a few different songs, as is often the case, as one song winds up being a number of different songs, and uh, tonight the song uh, dates back at least, at the very least, to the 1860s, uh, quite likely earlier than that, uh, known by the titles Many Thousand Gone, No More Auction Block, No More Auction Block for Me. And this episode tonight, uh, inspired by last week's show, which, uh, which was all about Paul Robeson and his music in honor of, uh, of the anniversary of his birth uh, last week. And as we heard uh, Robeson point out in that episode, him being the son of a black man who was formerly enslaved, a worker whose labor was taken from him and used for the benefit of another, uh, Robeson pointed out and, and would often point out that his people, black people, black Americans, beginning uh, with that labor relation uh, that his father was uh, subject to. Uh, black people built this country, literally built the physical infrastructure of the country, um, not to mention all of the care work that went into raising the families of the, uh, the so-called slaveholders, uh, among whom were uh, early architects of the country, policymakers, business tycoons, the American royalty, let's say. Uh, and, uh, not to mention that this, this, uh, the, the value that was created by the labor of these enslaved black Americans, uh, was then built upon, the value was built upon and grown exponentially over generations as Robeson called it. I think we heard that clip last week. If not, I certainly heard it in my, uh, preparation for the episode that, uh, he called that the primary wealth. The, the primary wealth that is needed in any situation of uh, wealth accumulation, and that primary wealth being created by uh, folks like his father, uh, black workers whose, uh, whose labor was, was entirely taken from them. Uh, and not, not only was the material wealth of America literally made by and then taken from black workers, um, it goes beyond the physical material infrastructure and wealth, um, as we will hear examples of tonight. So much of the creative expression, the music of this country, the unique American music that is so beloved and enjoyed and engaged with and imitated uh, the entire world over, that so much of that was too built by black people, these enslaved people from Africa and descended from Africans not only labor workers, not only care workers, but also 
simultaneously cultural workers building the wealth of this country's musical infrastructure. So in this episode, uh, we'll attempt to trace a song that we heard uh, Paul Robeson sing last week that he quite famously sang, um, the, the first singer to commercially record the song, uh, but a song which dates back perhaps nearly a hundred years or so prior to that recording from 1947, and uh, a song which has a significant and wide-ranging legacy beyond the, uh, the, its origin stories. Uh, let's begin um, with uh, Paul Robeson yet again, though this time uh, not, uh, not the, the, the first commercial recording of this song, but rather a live recording of him uh, with uh, Lawrence Brown accompanying him on piano, and they are uh, on a stage, uh, apparently on the back of a truck, on the American side of the border with Canada in 1952, performing in front of 25,000 people. Uh, Robeson will hear him singing after uh, this introduction to the song, No More Auction Block. This next song is one that comes from the very depth of the struggle of my people in America. One that might have been sung by my own father. A few nights ago, I sang in Brooklyn to the General Conference of the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, in which my father labored for many years as a minister. And today, my brother is pastor of the Mother Church in New York City. This church has a great history. Frederick Douglass printed his paper, The North Star, in the cellar of the Zion Church in Rochester, New York. Harriet Tubman, one of the great abolitionists and founder of the Underground Railroad, by which many of my people came to freedom in Canada in those days. Yes, Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and my father might have sung this next song must have sung it. No more auction block for me. No more pint of salt for me. No more driver's lash for me. Though many thousands are gone, freedom we will have. For me, no more, no more, no more auction block for me. Many thousand gone.
There's uh, Odetta in Carnegie Hall performing there in 1960, her uh, version of No More Auction Block for Me. Um, perhaps the uh, one of the first, if not the first, uh, performances of the song uh, to happen in the the folk revival, the famous folk revival of the uh, of the well later 1950s and early 1960s in New York City, and uh, we'll get back to that in just a little bit after we um, spend a little bit more time with different versions and histories of this song. Uh, but again, that's Odetta performing. Uh, that's uh, on the record uh, at Carnegie Hall in 1960, and that features uh, uh, the wonderful uh, bass playing of Bill Lee, who, uh, whose son happens to be filmmaker Spike Lee. Um, but uh, one, of the, uh, one of the reasons that this, um, this focus kind of really uh, well came into focus for me in, in, in preparing last week's episode was a, an article that, uh, that I came across that was published by Red Wedge, actually back in 2015, uh, written by Alexander Billet, uh, and something that he writes about, uh, <clears throat> about this song. No More Auction Block uh, is, uh, and I'll read from the, a little bit from the article here. Its recorded origins predicted, predictably go back to the institution of the first black regiments during the American Civil War. An early iteration was sung as a marching song by these same regiments. It's very likely that there were earlier versions possibly sung in secret by slaves themselves, but the Civil War is when the song first made itself into recorded history. This naturally placed it at a fortuitous crossroad. The Civil War, as a key event in ushering uh, America into the modern age, was one of the first major instances of transculturation in the country's history. There had, of course, been plenty of examples before with the collision of English, Scottish, German, Irish, and countless other European ancestries, but for black spirituals themselves, the offspring of African musics and European hymns, to travel so far and to reach so many white ears that otherwise may not have heard them, this was a giant leap in forging what we now understand as popular music. And, in fact... The far-reaching travels of newly freed black men and women during both the Civil War and Reconstruction was what allowed what we now understand as the blues to form, gestate, and become such a major staple of American musical culture. No More Auction Block traveled along with all these innumerable tunes and hymns. The Jubilee Singers of Fisk University toured a version around the country during the 1870s, in the decades afterward, as the black freedom struggle evolved, so did the song. Paul Robeson performed a noteworthy version, so did Odetta, so did Joan Baez, Bob Dylan performed it, and it is now confirmed that the hymn's structure provided inspiration for Blowing in the Wind. Some scholars speculated that No More Auction Block was also a major influence on the 1948 People's Songs Bulletin version of We Shall Overcome. And uh, I will, uh, we will get into uh, into some of those uh, offspring that uh, that that Billet mentions there, uh, blowing in the wind, and uh, we shall overcome in just a little bit. But I want to stick with a few versions of this song still. Um, and uh, it's also been said, I believe it was uh, Alan Lomax who mentioned um, that uh, that the song. 
uh, no more auction block was um, found amongst uh, uh, people who escaped slavery, uh, black people who escaped the United States up to Canada after slavery had been uh, outlawed up there. And uh, I want to play a recording. This is the this is the oldest uh, recording that's documented by the U.S. Library of Congress. This dates to 1943, actually, uh, just a few years before uh, Paul Robeson recorded the song in a, in a studio in 1947. But this is by um, by uh, folklorist uh, Helen Creighton, who recorded this, and uh, it is credited to uh, somebody named. William Riley in Nova Scotia in Canada. This is from uh, this is from 19 and 43 in Canada. Really a departure from the melody, uh, but just just kind of as an interesting um, historical 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 document here. What do you think now? Well, I don't care much about them. My own my own my own my own pieces all. Well, they're good, Papa. They're good. People. I know, I know they're good, but they used to be my color so, well, so, well, so bad at one time. No more pints of salt from me, many a thousand gone. No more hundreds of lash from me, no more, no more. It makes my heart that you think that he sings down pieces. Don't sing it, if he takes it, if he takes them much effect. No more hundreds of locks from me, many a thousand gone. No more pints of salt from me, no more, no more. No more pints of salt from me, many a thousand gone. No more peck of corn for me, no more, no more. No more peck of corn for me, many a thousand gone. Jesus died to set me free, oh yes, oh yes. Jesus bought my liberty, thank him evermore. No more auction block for me. No more, no more, no more auction block for me, many a thousand gone. Jesus died on Calvary, oh yes, oh yes. Jesus died to set me free, thank him evermore. No more pint of salt for me, no more, no more. No more pint of salt for me. 
to set me free. Thank him evermore. No more peck of corn for me. No more, no more. No more peck of corn for me. Many a thousand gone. Jesus died on Calvary. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Jesus died to set me free. Thank him evermore. No more driver's lash for me. No more, no more. No more driver's lash for me. Many a thousand gone. Jesus died on Calvary. Oh, yes, oh, yes, Jesus died to set me free, thank him evermore. Well, that's a, uh, a recording from um, Alan Mills in 1956, singing No More Auction Block for Me. The record is called... Uh, oh, Canada, a history in song. And uh, just kind of playing that, well, and that was coming out of uh, William Riley, as recorded by Helen Creighton in Nova Scotia, Canada, in 1943. Uh, no more auction block for me. And uh, those are also two early recordings, uh, both up in Canada. And uh, as I mentioned, it's been written in some places that the uh, this song, Many Thousand Gone or No More Auction Block, uh, has uh, some of its origins uh, from people who escaped slavery, uh, black people from the uh, United States escaping uh, to their um, freedom up in Canada where slavery had been outlawed. Um, and, you know... It's hard to say. Uh, I guess most of what I'm reading about the song is uh, is is a little bit in in some conflict with that history, um, but it's interesting nonetheless to consider. Also to consider, you know, um, well, who is singing? You know, who who is singing the song, and and where did the thousands, the many thousands, go to? Was it uh, many thousands who uh, ran away and escaped up to Canada? Is it uh, many thousands who uh, were, um, you know, uh, died in, uh, in, in slavery? Um, certainly uh, many of the verses uh, uh, reference uh, no more pint of salt, no more peck of corn, the different rations that the people, the workers who were enslaved, uh, were, um, were uh, well allowed to keep. Uh, the 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 minimal uh, bits that they uh, that they did produce as workers uh, uh, that they were um, that was not taken from them so that they could uh, just the minimal amount so that they could uh, reproduce and and survive uh, just enough to continue working so that the uh, 
the the fruits of their labors uh, could be uh, taken to uh, to enrich others to build the the wealth of of this country. Um, now I want to uh, just to to say that the the first as far as I could find the very very earliest documentation of the song was from uh, a a songbook that was published in 1867 called Slave Songs of the United States. And the little caption under the song uh, says, um, it reads, a, a song to which the rebellion had actively given rise. This was composed by nobody knows whom, though it was most uh, though it was the most recent doubtless of all these spirituals and had been sung in secret to avoid detection. It is certainly plaintive enough. The, the peck of corn and pint of salt were slavery's rations. And uh, that uh, was, and th this continues from the book, but that was in quotations, and it credits T.W.H., Lieutenant Colonel Trowbridge, learned uh, that it was first sung when Beauregard took the slaves of the islands to build the fortification at Hilton Head and Bay Point. And that, uh, that is text from the 1867 book called Slave Songs of the United States. Uh, it was, um, it appeared in a, uh, a publication of a collection of songs that were sung by the, uh, the Fisk Jubilee Singers, published in 1915, uh, first uh, commercially recorded, uh, though not until 1947, by Paul Robeson. But let's listen to... Uh, a really beautiful recording from uh, Sweet Honey and the Rock. I believe that this recording dates to 1991 uh, of uh, No More Auction Block for Me. No more, no more
Just a spectacular recording of No More Auction Block for me, uh, Sweet Honey and the Rock, the, the vocal group founded by Bernice Johnson Reagan, and um, just what a, what a powerful, unique, beautiful recording performance of that song. And uh, that recording appears on a 1991 compilation called Songs of the Civil War. Um, We'll listen to more recordings of this song and then start to trace uh, trace some of uh, some of its relatives, some of its musical relatives, um, after this uh, brief pause. <laughs> You're listening to Freedom Highway. I'm Nick Pankin, and I'm glad to be with you uh, for this uh, hour. We're halfway through it now, kind of. Uh, Listening to different uh, different um, interpretations, presentations of the uh, the old um, American song, uh, "No More Auction Block," "No More Auction Block for Me," "Many Thousand Gone." Um, let's uh, let's check out now um, a uh, a recording um, from uh, well from uh, from Pete Seeger. Because why not? This is going to really bring us bring us right back squarely into the folk revival in uh, in New York City in the early uh, in the early 1960s. This is on uh, 
This is on um, a record of his called America's Favorite Ballads, Volume 4, from 1961. And this, I guess this, uh, this is a, a good example of how, um, how the song... I don't know. There's some kind of some kind of uh, transition that happens that is uh, um, that this recording is emblematic of from the time that Paul Robeson was uh, frequently performing it, recording it initially in 1947, and then here um, in, with Pete Seeger uh, recording it. And um, well, this is really a uh, you know really um, sticking sticking with the. Uh, the melody, as uh, as I understand, that it uh, was originally documented, and certainly as um, Paul Robeson performed it, and uh, here is Pete Seeger in uh, in 1961 with his uh, recording of "No More Auction Block." Seeger in 1961 singing uh, No More Auction Block for me, also singing there uh, for the uh, Pete Seeger, certainly not the son of a, of a formerly enslaved uh, worker, um, but uh, certainly involved in um, struggles uh, for um, justice around uh, racial discrimination, justice around uh, workers' uh, workers' rights. And uh, just a year later, in 1962, uh, also in New York City, um, Bob Dylan, uh, young young Bob Dylan, um, performed uh, this song. Um, perhaps he learned it from uh, Pete Seeger, or perhaps he learned it from Odetta, who we heard at the top of the hour, or towards the top of the hour, in 1960, uh, with a wonderful uh, performance of the song at Carnegie Hall. Here's... Uh, Bob Dylan in, in 1962 at the Gaslight Cafe in New York City um, um, put
putting his spin on this song. And then uh, after after this recording, we'll hear uh, how he puts a little bit more spin on on the song with uh, with another another uh, well, not entirely, but uh, you know, a new uh, a new version. Let's say here's uh, Bob Dylan in 1962 from the um, from the bootleg. Uh, series volumes one through three, which was released in 1991, but this is uh, in 1962, live at the Gaslight Cafe in New York City, Bob Dylan singing No More Auction Block. the white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand 
Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist? Well, the song probably doesn't need uh, needs to be probably doesn't need to be heard in its entirety at this point. But uh, underneath, we're hearing Bob Dylan with his recording of his uh, his original song "Blowing in the Wind" from his 1963 record, "The Free Wheel and Bob Dylan," and uh, we heard him a year prior performing live at the Gaslight Cafe in 1962 the song that we've been spending the hour with, No More Auction Block, which uh, certainly uh, lends uh, quite a significant uh, melodic foundation to this, uh, to this famous Bob Dylan song, Blowing in the Wind. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the sleeve notes to the, uh, to the Bootleg series, Volume 1 to 3, from Bob Dylan uh, says uh, that... It was Pete Seeger who first identified Dylan's adaptation of the melody of this song, No More Auction Block, for the composition of Blowing in the Wind. Indeed, Dylan himself was to admit the debt in 1978 when he told journalist Mark Rowland, quote, Blowing in the Wind has always been spiritual. I took it off a song called No More Auction Block. That's a spiritual, and Blowing in the Wind sort of follows the same feeling. Uh, I would say so. I would say melodically for sure, and um, <clears throat> not only blowing in the wind, a big, uh, well-known uh, sort of, I would say, kind of general, kind of uh, freedom type of song from the early 1960s, but uh, so too did the song uh, We Shall Overcome, uh, I would say was also um, built upon the, uh, the melody of uh, No More Auction Block. And uh, as we hear underneath um, one, of the, uh, one of the earliest recordings of, um, of the song We Shall Overcome, also quite well known, probably doesn't need to be listened to uh, in its entirety um, for you to get the idea. Uh, we certainly know many different versions of this song and certainly played quite a significant role in, uh, in, um, in the civil rights movement. Um, and this is a recording that was made sometime between 1950 and 1955. Uh, like I said, one of the uh, first known recordings of the song We Shall Overcome. This is uh, from a, a record that came out in 1963 called Sing Out Hootenanny. Now, there's a book uh, written by uh, Victor Bobetsky, who's a associate professor and director of the teacher education program in music at Hunter College uh, at uh, the City University of New York. It's called We Shall Overcome Essays on a Great American Song. Now, uh, there's a, a section on uh, one of the uh, antecedents to uh, We Shall Overcome. In fact... No More Auction Block. It says, The Freedom Song No More Auction Block 
also known as Many Thousand Gone, is the uh, is a possible antecedent to We Shall Overcome. Colonel T.W. Higginson, commander of an African-American regiment in the Union Army, noted that this song was sung by his soldiers. He called it a secular spiritual. The song evolved spontaneously and was transmitted orally. There is no evidence of any specific composer or lyricist. Uh, a later version of the song, titled Many Thousand Gone, appears in a collection of songs sung by the Fisk Jubilee Singers, published in 1915. Uh, it goes on to say, throughout the song, the words uh, to the call change with each verse, but the two responses remain the same. Uh, uh, no more, no more, and many thousand gone. The melodic and rhythmic ideas in the call of No More Auction Block contain some similarities to the melodic and rhythmic motive found in the first phrase of O Sanctissima. Uh, for example, um, the first three pitches in each song are identical, and the overall melodic rhythm of the first five successive notes is similar. These similarities suggest that the opening call of No More Auction Block may have been influenced by the first four measures of O Sanctissima. In addition, we are looking at a convergence of time, place, and history that created an atmosphere conducive to cross-fertilization. We know that O Sanctissima um, was published in, a, in various song collections in the late 18th century and had achieved popularity in America. Enslaved Africans may have heard O Sanctissima and adapted some of its elements into their singing deliberately or simply as part of the oral process. Alan Lomax's claim that a song titled No More Auction Block was sung in Nova Scotia by freed slaves in 1833 lends support to this theory. Um... During the Civil War, Union and Confederate Army bands often played for each other during lulls in the fighting. This custom... Uh, well, I'm going to skip that, <laughs> that anecdote. Um, and uh, Nola Reed Naus, director of the Moravian Music Foundation, has confirmed that the Sicilian Mariner's Hymn was part of the repertoire of the 26th North Carolina Regimental Band, since the tune was probably heard by Union soldiers, it seems logical that variants of O Sanctissima's musical ideas could also appear in No More Auction Block, a song sung by members of the Union Army during the same time period. It is fascinating how O Sanctissima and No More Auction Block may have provided a soundtrack of sorts to the Civil War, and that both of these songs can be considered part of the tree that leads to We Shall Overcome. Um, and... Uh, well, that's kind of the, the conclusion of, of this little um, exploration of some of the uh, descendants uh, of, um, of No More Auction Block. Now, I want to uh, go back and, and now actually play for you the earliest recording that I could find of We Shall Overcome. Uh, I do believe that there was one made previous to this that I was not able to find, but this is a, uh, a recording by uh, a guy named Bill Strength, who was a country, uh, country and western singer, also a radio DJ, uh, called Texas Bill Strength. And he uh, was active with the, um, um, the CIO, the union, uh, and, uh, and was commissioned, uh, perhaps, to uh, record this song. Which, uh, which was used in part of the, uh, the CIO's Department of Education uh, and Research, uh, used music, utilized music to spread their message of, uh, of uh, worker solidarity and, and joining uh, the labor union movement. 
So we're going to listen now to 1952 uh, Texas Bill Strength singing uh, a song uh, which would soon um, be ushered into the civil rights movement with the phrase, uh, the slight uh, shift of phrase, we shall overcome. This is Texas Bill Strength in 1952 singing, We Will Overcome. Fifty-two singing, we will overcome, uh, and that was uh, based on a African American hymn, which was used as a protest song in 1954 when CIO tobacco workers in South Carolina sang it on their pickup uh, picket line, and then it was uh, it was um, brought to the uh, Highlander Folk School, where eventually. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King heard it, and uh, that's really when it was uh, became active in the civil rights movement. And uh, I think I, I really appreciate that um, that song was ushered into the civil rights movement in part by uh, Pete Seeger, you know, uh, who was involved at the Highlander Folk School, also certainly involved in the labor movement, uh, and may well have been aware of the associations the song had 
with uh, labor struggles in the in the 1940s uh, with the uh, the tobacco workers in South Carolina and then uh, and then here in 1952 with uh, Texas Bill Strength and the CIO um, and that I think that that connection between um, the labor movement and the civil rights movement uh, really rhymes nicely with the with this common refrain that came from Paul Robeson who was famous for uh, the m- melodic antecedent to uh, We Shall Overcome, or We Will Overcome, with his song No More Auction Block. Paul Robeson uh, often emphasizing the actually, in fact, inseparable nature of uh, struggles for racial and labor justice. In fact, they're actually not two distinct different movements, uh, although I guess in history books they are uh, often divided uh you know, slavery being a, a struggle against uh, um, racial discrimination. Uh, you know, the labor labor movement being uh, uh, totally um, absent of any kind of um, components of uh, you know struggling against white supremacy. The civil rights movement uh, being once again just purely about um, fighting racial uh, discrimination, not also having a significant. Uh, component of uh, workers' rights, of, of uh, labor um, organizing uh, among its ranks. So I think that's a nice, uh, a nice connection between these two songs and uh, melodically the version of We Shall Overcome that is so strongly associated with the civil rights movement uh, really being in some respects, born of the, uh, of the song that dates back to the Civil War, uh, if not previous to it, that we've been spending the hour with No More Auction Block. And as we go out, we're going to hear uh, a 1972 recording of Richie Havens singing a, a song that is uh, titled No More, No More, from a record called Live at the Cellar Door and at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. Uh, Certainly straying from the uh, original uh, melodic structure that we heard uh, Paul Robeson and Odetta and uh, Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan, Sweet Honey and the Rock um, performing. But uh, a beautiful example of how the song uh, has infinite life and uh, significance. So thanks for listening to Freedom Highway. I'll be back with you again for another episode next week. Take care.